many people confuse earning a lot of money in a job with job satisfaction and people equate having lots of money with being happiness with ha- you know with being happy but that's absolutely wrong the only definition of success is being able to live your life your own way being able to live a life aligned with your value system my guest today is garam bed garam is a portfolio manager at an investment advisor based in salt lake city utah previously he served at the at the mumbai london and hong kong offices of citicorp and deutsche bank as senior analysts in their healthcare investment banking teams garam's latest book is the joys of compounding the passionate pursuit of lifelong learning his book draws on the work of investing greats like warren buffett charlie munger and ben graham as well as philosophers and scholars Gonam integrates their strategies and wisdom into practical applications in the areas of business, investing and decision making. I recently sat down with Gonam and talked about how value investing is not just a system for success in the market, it is also an intellectual toolkit for achieving a deeper understanding of the world. Gonam, thanks for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it and um You don't know this, but I ordered your book. It was a Kindle version back in September. So, we're looking about several months ago. I don't know when this is going to air, but it's at least a good chunk of time and I read it and I said, "Wow, this is really good stuff." And uh I'm I ordered it for my team. They're going to be getting it very soon uh, because I found it was chock full of great information. So, uh thanks for being on the show and really a pleasure to meet you. Thank you Charles it's a pleasure being here. The name of the book folks is The Joys of Compounding: The Passionate Pursuit of Lifelong Learning. Now what I like about the book is it's not really an investment book, right? And I don't think you wrote it as so much of an investment book, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. So initially the sole objective behind writing the book was to share and write about my life's biggest learnings and give back to the investing community from whom I'm putting to learn so much over the years and that's why when I self published the first edition of the joys of compounding 3 and 1/2 years ago then I had sold it for zero royalty I didn't charge any money to cover the costs of production logistics marketing or distribution because the only idea was to help people and to give back give back to society but charles what i've learned in life is that when you help others unconditionally without expecting anything in return the universe works in such a way so as to come back and reward you back multiple times over in may 2019 i was at creighton university in omaha signing copies of my self published book for the readers during the berkshire hathaway wait, wait, hang, hang on a sec hang on a sec So the book that I have in my hand is more or less the same book that you self-published back what how many years ago did you say 3 and 1/2 years ago? It was 3 and 1/2 years ago. Okay. So you decided, you know what? I'm going to put a book together uh that has everything about value investing, about achieving worldly wisdom, building strong character, all lessons and stories and anecdotes that you learned from Charlie Munger, from Ben Graham, from Warren Buffett, all all the all really great stuff. And you put it together and you were giving these away or you were selling them or what? How to work? 
So I was selling it for zero royalty. I didn't, I was basically selling it at cost price. But I think before we discuss about how, why did I self-publish the book, there is a bigger background story about myself, which I, I feel if I share with your audience, they'll be able to better appreciate the significance of the book and the content and the reason behind every single chapter. If you may allow oh, me, I, I would like to share sure. the background story for that. So I was born and brought up in a Marwadi community family in India. And in India, there are two communities, the Marwadis and the Gujaratis, which have got business and entrepreneurship in their genes. So ever since my childhood years, I was very fascinated by the concept of business and entrepreneurship, especially by the fact that once a solid foundation is established for a business, the owners do not work for money. Rather, the, the business and the money works for them. I did my graduation in commerce with a specialization in accountancy. So pursuing higher studies in the field of finance seemed like a natural extension. I did my MS in finance from ICFA University, Hyderabad, India. And I did my MBA in finance from Nirma University, Ahmedabad, India. And later on, I also went on to obtain my CFA charter from the CFA Institute US. I, after my MBA program got over, I got a campus placement with Citibank where, and I worked at their Mumbai, India office for three years as an investment banking analyst. And after that, I joined Deutsche Bank and worked at their Mumbai, London and Hong Kong offices for almost four years as a senior investment banking analyst. But all throughout those seven years, even though I was making very good money, I wasn't really happy because just making lots and lots of money does not equate to job satisfaction after a point. And uh, here I would like to talk about how I got my entry into the stock markets. Okay, hang, hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yes. Okay. So you're living in India. You business is in your genes because of where you're from. Right. What does your father do? My father has got uh, two uh, family businesses, one in uh, roofing solutions of aluminum and one in uh, manufacturing raw materials for the paints industry. Okay. So you always heard people around you. They were in business. So it was natural for you to go into business as well. You like the whole concept and of, of you know, s services or products or the whole interaction. I hear you because I was the same way as a kid. Uh, everyone used to say they're going to be astronauts or baseball players or anything like that. I always loved business, you know, taking nothing and turning it into something. You know, you start with just an idea. That was always exciting to me. So now you go to school in India. You pass all the tests, you get, you graduate with degrees in business and finance and accounting and all that. When do you come over to the US and why do you come over? Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll just come to that briefly. So before that, I need to uh, share how did I get my start? The reason why I came to the US was my love for the stock market and investing, but how did I develop this love and interest for the investing field? So like, as is typical of most investors in the stock market, I got my beginning in the stock market by getting pulled into this field out of sheer greed during the final euphoric phases of a bull market. In my case, it was the 2003 to 2007 bull market in India. I still remember I had invested in a mutual fund called Reliance Sector Power Mutual Fund in late 2007 and a stock named Ispat Steel in early January 2008 because both of these were from the hot and fancied sectors of power and steel at the time. And both of them had recently appreciated sharply in a short span of time. 
So I blindly engaged in extrapolation of the recent price trends in them without paying any heed to their valuations or business models. And over the next 12 to 18 months, both the investments crashed 70 to 80% and had successfully gained my admission into the stock market by paying my tuition fees. Okay, so, so as so, you can see- So you lost money. Yeah. So basically, like I see a book right behind you, uh, it's trend following. You basically invested based on price and based on the hype and you had no ideas about the fundamentals of the business. And right. It was just out of, just out of greed, nothing okay. else. Okay. Yep. I don't even greed. It's just that also, you know, it looked, uh, um, you know, it seemed that you didn't know any other way to invest. So you might as well invest like everyone else was, which was looking at the last price and taking out your pencil and drawing a line. Well, nobody does that anymore, <laughs> but that's what I used to do. And, and uh, used to look at charts and a whole bunch of other things because, you know, that's what 90% of everyone does. Right? So... No one's going to hold you to that. You subsequently follow the same experience that many people have is when the party stops, the stock market goes down and so does your investment. So when it's going up, you think that you're Warren Buffett and when it goes down, like, what the heck's happening? So now you lost seven, was it 70 to 80% of your money? Yes, over the next 12 to 18 months. Okay. So as you can see, recency and vividness biases are very powerful, but highly costly behavioral mistakes. Okay, fine, fine. All, all that, all that is fine. Now, so now you lose, how much do you lose? Is, like, is it a big amount? It's a small sum of capital because I just, uh, I was just about to begin working in May, 2008. So I hardly had any capital. It was just out of my pocket money. Okay. So okay. So it wasn't, my some, book also, it wasn't yes. something where you had to sell your house or anything like that. It was just more of a prideful thing. You're here. You are this whiz kid, smart guy, and you look around and you say, "Hey, I got two degrees. My family's in business. I'm really smart. I know the stock market. I'm gonna figure it out like every better than everyone else." And boom, you get kicked right in the chest. Okay, so now you lose. That's about sums it up, right, Gautam? Yes, right. but despite this bad initial experience, my curiosity and enthusiasm for the stock market never waned. In fact, it remained very high throughout the first seven years of my professional investment banking career. And one fine day I came to the realization that, Hey, we just have this, we just have this one short life to live our dreams. And I did not want to waste any further time doing something that I was not truly really passionate about. I was so keen for a career shift that I relocated to the U S in early 2015. One of my relatives, uh, he, he's a U.S. citizen. He sponsored my green card. But who, who sponsored, who sponsored your, your green card? of my uh, close relatives. He lives in Atlanta, okay, so Georgia. Close relatives. So hang on a second. Hang on. You got to go slow for me. I know you're like a zillion miles away, but you got to slow down for me. Because this story to me, to you, it's, you know, average, but it's pretty amazing. So you lose money, but your enthusiasm, you're saying, I, I could, I could beat this market. I, I got to figure out a way. So you get bit by the stock market bug you say, I'm coming to the United States. Why to the United States? Yes. So the reason why I came here was I was a CFA charter holder and, and I was under the impression that being a CFA charter holder, I'll be able to land a stock market job pretty easily. Okay. So, so for Even my listeners who don't know what a CFA is, it's a it's certified or chartered. I think it's chartered, right? Or chartered, what's CFA? Chartered financial analyst. Chartered financial. Okay. So folks, it is a fancy test that I think the... <laughs> Pass rate is very slim. I think you take it over several years, different parts of it. Right. And 92% of the stuff you learn on the test, you will never use again in your life. Period. <laughs> it's stuff that really is not going to help you make a zillion dollars. But it's a great thing that 
is big on Wall Street now to have a CFA FDA name. I don't, I have not met anyone who's made a lot of money because they have a CFA. I've seen a lot of people who have a lot of money and then get the CFA, but I have not seen anyone. In fact, one of my analysts, my chief head analyst now was looking to get one. I said, save your money, buy books. But okay, he doesn't listen to me. And he knows who he is. Okay, so now you get your CFA. You come to the United States. You get sponsored by a relative. You go to Atlanta, Georgia. And with your fancy degrees and your CFA, you're going to beat Mr. Market. Is that more or less right? Yes, I was. I thought, see, I was very keen to work on the stock market side, on the buy side. But in India, during those seven years, whenever I used to apply for a career shift into the stock market side, all of them used to look at my resume and say that I've got investment banking work experience. That's why they did, they did not entertain me or give me a chance. So I thought US is the land of opportunity. Why not come here and at least try? Okay. See, there is something in my book, I talk about Jeff Bezos's regret minimization framework that when you're on your deathbed in your old age, you don't want to look back at your life and say to yourself that I wish I had tried. When you have the resources, when you have the opportunity, why not at least try? The downside is that you may not succeed, but the upside is that you will get to live your dream. I had a friend who lived across the street from me, and I remember this, I was like 16, he was a little older than me, he was two years older than me. He went to, he went, uh, worked, at, um, his father was a shop teacher, taught in, in school. Uh, shop building and stuff. And we grew up on a pretty middle-class block. And I remember talking to him one day and he said, your biggest regrets are not going to be things you did. It's things you didn't do. And I always thought about that. And, you know, when I heard that Bezos said the same thing, that it's not what I did. It's what opportunities I didn't take advantage of. So you saw that at a pretty young age uh, that you didn't want to be in that situation. You didn't want to be on the deathbed hopefully a lot more years from now, and saying, gosh, I wish I took the chance, right? Right. I mean, for, see, for me, many people confuse earning a lot of money in a job with job satisfaction. And people equate having lots of money with being happiness, with, ha- you know, with being happy. But that's absolutely wrong. The only definition of success is being able to live your life your own way. Being able to live a life aligned with your value system. And, you know, being, being able to live life as per the inner scorecard, right? So, that's why I came to the US and I, and I tried to get into the stock market buy side uh, job profile. Well, but what did you do? You, you, you started sending out your resume or what, what, did you have any contacts yes. or anything? I tried, I just applied to all many job openings online. But as you know, life is not a bed of roses for those trying to carve out their own destiny. I got rejected in my first three stock market job interviews in the first six months of living in the US. And at the same time, I ran out of whatever little money I'd brought with me from India and to take care of my living expenses in this country, I did not want to sell even a single share from my portfolio of Indian stocks because I did not want to interrupt the power of compounding. So to sustain myself in the States, I took up a minimum wage job as a front desk hotel clerk in San Francisco. As a what? Where tell I tell me again, as a what? I took up a minimum wage job as a front desk hotel clerk. Front desk hotel, hotel clerk. So at a hotel I walk to the hotel and you say, good evening, Mr. Ms. Good yes. evening, sir. Uh, yes. What's your, you don't have a license. We didn't give you a credit card. You're room 608. That's what you did. Yes. So this yes, smart yes, guy yes. with all the degrees, with all the CFA, you're working as a clerk. I was working as a front desk hotel clerk for minimum wages in California. and uh, Which was at a major hotel chain or just? Uh, it was uh, these, it was the four points by Sheraton, 
by the San Francisco Bay Bridge. Okay, so I worked now, there for 15 months. Okay, now here's my question, man. God, I'm just on the side for a second. This has always intrigued me. When you sent, when you, when you gave the manager your resume, did he look and say, you're a little bit overqualified to be a hotel desk? So how do you- Yeah, so before, before Four Points by Sheraton, I'd, I'd applied to two more hotel and restaurant jobs, but I got rejected everywhere for the same reason that I was overqualified, but I was just desperate. Okay. I needed to put, I needed, I needed to put some food on the table. So I had to just get something. Okay, I, I was I, very adamant. But, but you know, I, I you... was very adamant and firm that I'm not going to go back to my previous field of work right. in India, where the presence of perverse incentives always led to incentive cost bias and did not suit my personal nature. Okay. So, so and, you, uh, when you gave your resume to these people, you can understand why they rejected you, right? You had more education and you could be this guy's boss of boss. You could be three levels higher than the guy's hiring you's boss. So here they're hiring you as a clerk. You're a big threat. You could be the greatest, you know, for, they look at you and say, come on, they got to be undercover boss. All right. So you take a job. Yeah, you're okay. That's mm -hmm. really it. That, you know, I'm looking at this from the outside. You lived it. So I can only tell you from my perspective. So you take a job in a hotel in where? San Francisco? Yes. In what year is this? This is in 2000, late 2015. So the money in San Francisco is everyone's making oodles of money, right? It seems like the, the stock market's doing well. Tech stocks are doing great. A lot of startups. And you're a hotel clerk. Make what was minimum wage back in the day? What were you making? I was earning, uh, I think, thirteen or fourteen dollars an hour. Wait, so you're not living in Atlanta anymore? So who, who's paying your overhead here in San Francisco? I took up. I was staying in a as a paying guest in a small dinghy room on the outskirts of San Francisco. That was all that I could afford at the time. Really. And on the, based on the minimum wage. Well, that is how I used to live and stay for those fifteen months. Well, your, your parents probably were real happy about that, huh? No one was happy, but in fact, I found during those 15 months that many people were very critical. In fact, uh, they were criticizing me for my decision that, you know, there are so many, when you're struggling in life, there are many people who say, see, I told you so. Right. No, there are very few people among your close friends and your family members who will actually support you and motivate you because, you know, if only people who actually know you will understand and will, and will see through you to see how much pain you're undergoing in your previous job, when, when, when you're living a life which is not in alignment with your value system, then you're suffering internally every day. And only the people who really love you and know you very well, they'll be able to relate to you and they'll be the ones who'll support you during the tough times so, and so, they'll so, motivate you. To so they were supporting yeah. you, your family, the people who knew you and knew what your plan was, they were pretty cool with what you were doing. They were encouraging you? Not everyone, but a select few. And they are, they are the ones I decided to stay with for the rest of my life after that entire experience got over. Yeah. Because during the tough times, that is when you get to know I mean, during the hard times, you get to know who are the people who are you know, true to you. During the good times, everyone will be with you. But during the tough times, that is when you get to realize, you get to separate the wheat from the chaff and right, understand right. who are the most meaningful people in your life. Right. So, and that's a, that's a big life lesson. So now you're in San Francisco all alone. Do you know anybody there? Sorry? Do you know anybody in San Francisco when no, you go there? I was all alone. No, I didn't know anybody. How'd you pick San Francisco? What'd you do? You threw something at a map or what? How did you find... Why did you go to San Francisco? That is just uh, where I got the that is where I got the job interview call from. So I went there. So if you could have got a job in Anchorage, Alaska, at a front desk, you would be in Anchorage, Alaska, right? You wherever anywhere. Whoever said yes got you. And by the way, yes. San Francisco is an expensive place to live. 
So you picked a pretty expensive place. Well, they're the only ones who said yes, so they picked you. You didn't pick them. All right, so you, you're working I there. I didn't have any choice. I still, see, and I'll share one thing here, Charles, that nothing teaches you the big lessons of life more than an empty wallet and an empty stomach. I still remember there were days uh, during the 15 months when I used to have eat smaller portions of food to make my meals last longer throughout the day. That was the situation in which I was. But what happens is when you're some, so, so fiercely passionate about something in life, you actually can keep on going. And uh, even though it was a big challenge for me intellectually, physically, mentally, and emotionally, today I highly value those days of my life because for the first time since the beginning of my busy professional career, I finally got time to read and learn and invest in my personal self-development. Okay, so, dur so during these 15 months, you're not just working at the front desk. You're you're buying books, you're reading, you're taking notes. So you're you become a learning machine, which you talk about in the book. You become a learning machine because this is not your final destination. This is just this is just the first, you know, this is your your first step going forward. So uh, you you're spending how much time reading a week? So the pace of work during late night to early morning at the hotel was pretty slow. I used to work during the graveyard shift. For those who don't know what the graveyard shift means, it used to run from 11 p.m. at night to 7 a.m. in the morning. And I made full use of the free time to read every single blog post published on blogs like Safal Niveshak, Basic Investing, Microcap Club, Fundu Professor, and Janaf WordPress, among others. And the passionate pursuit of lifelong learning had begun. But little did I know at the time that I was laying down these strong building blocks for compounding in my life. So what happened was that during those 15 months, I really got to learn a lot and build a strong intellectual foundation for myself. And here I would like to share with you a very important insight about the power of passion. During those 15 months, I remember every single night I used to apply to a minimum of three stock market jobs online. So if you simply do the math over those 15 months, I'd applied to more than 1300 stock market jobs. Now, as you very well know, Charles, when we take our time to fill up the application, attach our resume and click this, click on the submit button, there is always so much hope attached behind every single submission to face rejections more than 1300 times and still keep on going is only and only possible if you're absolutely fiercely passionate and sincerely dedicated about what you want to do in life. Now, luck, chance, serendipity, and randomness have always played a big role in various aspects of my life till date. During November 2016, one fine night at the hotel, I just randomly clicked on the quick apply button on a job application on LinkedIn during the course of my online job search. And wonder of wonders, I got shortlisted for the interview and that too for a senior role in an investment firm, even though I had zero formal stock market work experience. And this was the phase in my life during which I was about to experience the power of compounding knowledge in action. You see, all those previous 15 months working at the hotel, reading up all those blog articles and white papers had now built a very strong intellectual foundation in me in the investing domain. And I was able to excel in all the three rounds of my job interview. And this was possible because Confidence comes from body language and body language basically comes from knowledge, right? You have, the more knowledge you have, the more confident, confident your body language will be. And 
I landed the job of a portfolio manager, and it was like a dream come true for Wait, me. Hang on, hang on. Never in my so you 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 click on this quick link thing for a portfolio manager. Where are they located? Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, so, Summit Global Investments. Okay, what's it called? Summit. Summit Global okay. Investments. So it's a portfolio manager position. The only thing you know about you is your resume. You go out there, you do, or maybe, I don't know, was it virtual or you went to see them back in the day? I went to uh, the Salt Lake City oh, for right. a physical, in right. physical so, interview. Right. This is before yes. COVID. So you're able to actually go to a real interview. So you go to the interview, they see this guy coming in, brimming with confidence, like a freight train, and <laughs> you just beat him into submission and they hire you. Because they look at here and they got, I'm going to get a guy at an entry-level price, who has a lot of information. Is that right, more or less? They, they got a good value here. Well, uh, I didn't exactly get an entry-level price. I was actually hired at a very high pay scale because it was a portfolio manager position. Oh, so and wait, wait. So they were giving you money to manage right from the start? They they were they had great confidence in me. And, I, oh. and when you're in a position of portfolio manager, you're given a lot of great responsibility. And... Wait, which, which stocks? What what area? There was what was the what was the portfolio that you were managing? What sectors of the market? There were three. There were three. So it was a mutual fund company. We had three mutual funds: uh, U.S. large cap, U.S. small cap, and a global fund. And it was a great learning experience. The, but never in my wildest dreams what, did I what, imagine. What did you to, manage? What, which which portfolio did you manage? So me and three more portfolio managers. We four managed all the three uh, mutual funds together. Really? Wow! So that's you had a. Geez, that's that's crazy. But so you, you had to manage global, large cap, and what else? Small cap. Yes, U.S. large cap, U.S. small cap, and a global fund. But here, I would like to just quickly share that never did I ever imagine in my, in my wildest dreams that I'll become a portfolio manager straight away. When I came to this country, I thought I'll first become a junior analyst, then work my way up to analyst, then senior analyst, then assistant portfolio manager, and then probably portfolio manager in 14, 15 years. And here I straight away got a portfolio manager position in such a short span of time. This is what persistence can do to you. How, this how, is how persistence. How much were you managing? At the beginning, it was six fifty million. How much? Uh, when I left, six fifty million. So, the, so they, they, you start your first day as part of a team that's managing six hundred fifty million dollars, mm -hmm. and the night before, you were getting me towels because I called up the front desk, right? <laughs> All right. Yes. Only in America, right? Got him or what? Absolutely. The land of opportunity. Oh, you and, betcha. And here, I would, and here I would like to add something even more incredible. Around the same time, in November 2016, something even more incredible happened. I joined Twitter and I started posting my thoughts on whatever I was reading and learning oh, about. Wait, sorry, could you, could you talk a little slower for me because it's end of the day and I'm not getting this all. You, uh, on what, what did you do? On, on where? On Twitter? So in, in November 2016, yeah. I joined Twitter, you, the social media platform, yes, and I started and I started sharing whatever I was reading, learning on various subject matters oh. like philosophy, psychology, investing. Right. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I just want to point out, and I think this is a really good lesson for anybody listening. When you were working for 15 months as a clerk at the front desk. You weren't working as a clerk at the front desk. Your mind was elsewhere. You were learning. You were taking advantage of the opportunity where you were to read, to gain knowledge, to do job applications, to basically leverage the time you had when you were in San Francisco, not wallowing and like, oh, gosh, 
You know, I'm making 13 bucks an hour. I hate this life. But you didn't do that. What you did was is you use that as your training ground in order to learn as much as you can. So when you came up with Twitter and everything, it was just an extension to a bigger audience of everything you did. Is that right? Broadly, yes. But here I would like to add something that you mentioned that, you know, my mind was somewhere else. It's not that. One thing which I picked up from my parents is the importance of a good work ethic. So even when I was in my hotel job, I used to give it all my best. And in June 2016, I was actually the employee of the month. Employee at, of the uh, month at, wow. So, the, the so what, what, are the, yeah. what is this hotel? What, what did you have to do? So tell me what you did. What was your job responsibilities at this hotel? Basically checking in and checking out guests and uh, sometimes carrying their luggage to their room, answering their random requests like, getting a toothpaste or a toothbrush to their room. Okay. So, and sometimes and sometimes even yeah. washing dishes in the kitchen. So what did you do that got you employee of the month? Like what was what was what were you doing that made you stand out from everyone else who was the front desk guy? Just being I think the biggest thing was me being a team player. I think just being empathetic with everyone. And what I love about America, Charles, is the dignity of labor. Here everyone from the bottom to the top, everyone enjoys great dignity of labor and everyone respects yeah, people yeah, yeah, yeah. For, you know, when they're working. And I think here work is respected, not the designation, not the level. You know, you know, it takes, not the pay. It takes someone who came to this country uh, with nothing, with really a dream, right, of being where they wanted to fully appreciate the opportunity that's right around them. And it doesn't matter where you start. You couldn't, st you started in a field that wasn't anywhere close to where you wanted to be. You, right. you know, you're washing dishes and getting towels and, you know, carrying luggage up three flights of stairs or whatever the heck you were doing. And you, you, you saw this as opportunity where most people, unfortunately, who were born here and don't realize that they feel that, you know, I should start off at the corner suite. You know, it's not the way it works. I, I, kudos to you. That's fantastic. Yep. So uh, there is no alternative to hard work. If you work Nothing in life, business, relationships, and investing, nothing will work unless you do. So just put in the work and have faith that eventually the dots will connect. As Steve Jobs said, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So everything actually added up. And that's how compounding works. In the initial decade or two, nothing, it'll seem as if nothing is happening. But once you get on the exponential part of the curve, that is when magic starts happening. Right, right. Tell me, tell me about, just so we can cut to that, I, I want to, because the name of your book is The Joys of Compounding. You're talking about that, how everything you do in those 15 months just catapulted you. You were telling me on a call just that we had the other day that if you have $100 and you compound that over time, where 60-plus percent of your compounding is in the last five years, go through that and do, do that slowly because I want my listeners to hear this because... I know numbers and everything, but I never heard it presented the way you did. And when I got off the phone with you, I said, darn, that's really good. <laughs> so, so walk us through that slowly. So Charles, the day I understood how compound interest works, I immediately knew that I was going to become monetarily rich. I just had to get started. But compounding will bestow its magic and benefits upon you only after testing your patience and conviction to the fullest. Because the power of compounding is backloaded. When I say backloaded, let me explain with the help of an example. Suppose you start with $1. Okay. At 20% compounding, your $1 becomes almost hundred times in 25 years. 
but at the end of year 10 you will have six times at the end of year 20 you will have 38 times which means that out of the 100x almost two third 62 62x of the 100x came in the last five years so if you want the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow you have to actually go through the entire journey and the stock market is designed in such a way with its volatility feature to test your tolerance for pain every year because the stock market on an average declines 10% every year, 20% or 25% every three, four years. And every decade we have a big bear market of 40, 50%. So that's the volatility is a feature. It's not a bug of the stock market. It's not a what? It's, Once, it's not a what? It's a feature, not a... It's not a bug. It's a, it's a feature. It's a basic feature. It's a routine characteristic of the stock market. So once you know history, once you were learned about financial history, about financial history, then these things will just keep look very routine to you. So there's nothing to feel afraid. You just have to focus on time because in the compound interest equation, time is the only variable which lies in the exponent. You want to make use of that exponential power of time. If you want to really harness the power of compounding, that is what you need to focus on. And how will you be able to take advantage of the exponential power of time? by focusing on survival and endurance. If you're able to just survive and stay in the market for the, for the long term, you can't help but become rich because that's how compounding works. You just have to be in the market for a long time in good stocks, bought at good prices, and then do nothing. Do nothing until something very bad happens to the company in question. Until that time, you right. just stay put. Right. So even, 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 if, um, even if you buy the S&P index fund, if you, buy an, if you hold it, I think it's over 10 years, there's a 92% chance you will have more money. So yep. all you need to, and if you hold it for uh, you know one or two years, the odds go down tremendously. So if you didn't know anything, all you would need to do is if you're saying, let me look at these investments and, and forget about them. If you just give it those 10 years, you have a 92% chance of making money and considerable money at that and only an 8% chance of losing. And the only thing you did was, is you gave it time. You could invest, you and I could invest in the same index fund. You only gave it two years, I gave it 10. And the only difference, same investment, same everything, but once, as you mentioned, you take out that time equation, everything falls to crap. That's the difference. Right, the shorter, the shorter your time period, the greater the variability, the greater the variability of the outcome. But when you look over a very long time period, of decades, then these intermittent market corrections and crashes just look like minor blips, Right. nothing else. Right, right. So the problem is to have the right mindset where these downturns don't allow you or don't tempt you to take your eye off the long term. Is that right? That's the way you phrase that? Long-term thinking is a superpower. Okay, so how, how do you yeah. develop that superpower? Well, this has basically come from experience. You know, in, in my initial years of investing, I was very impatient and I did not know the importance of delayed gratification. But over the long term, I've come to realize and appreciate that there is only one big truth to the stock market, that the good quality stocks always, without exception, bounce back the fastest after a bear market or a market correction. This was the Eureka, Eureka moment for me. So in my book, I've shared a particular table which shows a list of high quality stocks in India in January, 2008, 
that was the peak of the previous bull market and i show the price performance from the peak of the previous bull market to the bottom of the subsequent bear market and what i saw there just blew my mind i noticed that over the long term even if you buy high quality stocks at reasonable prices during a bull market peak over the long term they still end up making you hundreds hundreds of percentage points of return because good businesses create wealth across market cycles irrespective of the news headline be it ne negative or positive you have a exclusive exclusive say that again of their what so good businesses create wealth over the long term even in the middle of negative headlines like rising interest rates rising inflation right. geopolitical tensions like, like, like coca-cola Coca one share of coca-cola in 1919 or what have you uh it turns into close to 15 or 20 million dollars today one share so exactly. it's a great company exactly. over time right so so exactly all yeah so mm -hmm. okay so now so what i liked about your book let me just let me just go cut to this for a sec because you know it's just phenomenal that you're 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 experiencing this and you're finding this out by trial and error a lot of it right so that's what you're finding mm -hmm. but what you did in your book that you were handing out you know selling for cost and everything is you compiled something that i used to have drawers you know desk drawers full of newspaper <laughs> clippings and 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 uh and uh, xeroxes of pages of other books you took all of this great information and put it in a book format with let me just check this out with five sections and i want to tell you what the sections for those listening achieving worldly wisdom building strong character common stock investing portfolio management and decision making and then the last thing is understanding as you said the true essence of compounding so in this one book you took a whole bunch of wisdom from other disciplines from other people from people much smarter than yourself peter successful people and you basically said for 20 bucks or so here you go and now i understand why when you self published it really look man if you never sold a copy got them you created your own manual you know so right. you know create it was it was because when i i wrote my book on um start getting started in value investing i did it because my son came to work one day he was 15 or 16 and he said what do you do and i said here and i opened up one of my drawers and i took out a folder of about two feet thick of clippings and articles and a whole bunch of, here's what i do you know investing value investing goes well 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 this is way too much and i said he's right and there wasn't anything that i saw at the time that could distill it down pretty simply and quickly and get to the essence so i wrote that book more or less for me and it so happened that wiley picked it up wiley publishing you wrote this and so many people liked it how did columbia business school find you so i'll just quickly go back to what i said a short while ago that in november 2016 within a few months of me joining twitter two individuals flew all the way from india to salt lake city utah here to meet me and thank me personally for what i was sharing on twitter and they recommended to me to write to write a book they told me why don't you write a book we love what your micro blogging okay, so, on twitter so what were you doing on twitter cuz i'm not going to go on twitter right now but you still have your twitter account where you still put the stuff okay What did two yeah. guys what's the flight time from 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 Mumbai to Salt Lake City what's that like a day and a half or something must be, must be total of 20 hours all right so 20. <laughs> okay these two guys get on a plane and fly 20 hours 
for something they saw on Twitter to just thank you? Yes, that, and that was a very humbling experience. Wow, I'd me. say. I hope you took him to dinner. <laughs> I did, I did, wow. but it was a very humbling experience. Sure and is. when they brought up the idea of me writing a book, I thought, okay, I have this good habit of documenting everything what I'm, what I'm learning in a Word document. So why not organize this into a book format and share it with the public? You know, so that was the basic uh, premise behind writing the book. But I'd never expected the book to become wait, so wait, popular. Forget about that for a second. What, what were they seeing in these tweets that made him take a 20-hour flight to shake your hand? What was it? What do you think it was? What do they tell you it was? I think it was just the clarity of thought and the passion for the subject. I think uh, the beauty of these uh, social media platforms is that you can attract a lot of like-minded people into your life. And that is basically what happened in case of Twitter with me. So I'm very thankful. It was again, again, I go back to the concept of luck, chance, serendipity and randomness. And that is why I've dedicated an entire chapter to that, those, to those four topics in my book. So in the book, basically the flow is like this. I start off with theory in each chapter. And then I share a personal life experience or a personal real example from my life based on that theory. So this book is basically a reflection of my life, essentially. That's why that the reason why I wrote the chapter on passion is because I strongly believed in the power of passion. The reason I wrote a chapter on luck is because I strongly believe that luck has played a big role in my life. And the reason I wrote the chapter on becoming a learning machine is that's how I got ahead in life. So every chapter you'll see uh, there is a personal life example from my life in that particular chapter. And you know what I liked about the book also is, which I really always look, you know, I, when I start a book, I always look in the back. I always look for the, the, um, the end notes and I look at the bibliography. And yours, your bibliography, which I love, I love bibliographies that are dense, reads like a, um, like a, like a, a research paper or, or a science paper uh, because you have tons and tons and tons of of outstanding uh, um, books that you mentioned, articles that you mentioned, it ranges from all over the place. And what I like about it is how at the end of each chapter, you have your end notes of pages. I, I tell you, I bought your book in September time, and I started underlining uh, different websites to go to and uh, PDF uh, um, re um, papers to, uh, to, um, to uh, download. And it's really a shortcut. You really created a, a one-step guide for all this stuff. So, so that's really great. Mm -hmm. The joys of compounding, in essence, is a celebration. It's a celebration of the value-investing discipline. And my life, Charles, epitomizes Isaac Newton's saying, if I've seen further, it is by standing upon the shoulders of giants. The joys of compounding is my heartfelt tribute to all my teachers who helped me achieve financial independence, become a better and wiser person, and embark on the path to a fulfilling and meaningful life. And our goodwill compounds when we share with others, and we should act as a funnel of knowledge, not a sponge. That's beautiful. Very, very as, nice. as Charlie Munger so beautifully put it, the best thing a human being can do mm -hmm. is to help another human being no more. And Charles, in life, the winners also lose occasionally, but those who help others win can never lose. So always help others rise. Yeah, beautiful. This is how goodwill compounds over time. Okay, well said. I, I, can't, I can't add anything to that. That, that was nicely said. So um, this book, I think you told me, uh, is 
has been is, is selling like really hotcakes. Columbia Business School came and presented you with a publishing contract, right? Yes. So in May 2019, during the Berkshire mm-hmm. Hathaway annual meeting, Miles Thompson from uh, Columbia Business School Publishing flew all the way down from New York to meet me and offer me a publishing contract with them. And the rest, as they say, is history. Okay. Today, the Joys of Compounding is an international bestseller in five countries. Singapore, Canada, India, Brazil, and the United Arab Emirates. And what this book has also done is, the success of the book has basically brought me on the radar of many Silicon Valley tech startups. So over the last 12 months, a lot, many of them approached me to join their platform and collaborate with them. But I decided to go with chapter. So I quit my job at Summit Global Investments a few months ago in, at the end of July, 2021. And I started an initiative on chapter. Because the we started initiative mission, on what on what which chapter chapter so so chapter is basically a curation based learning platform, and the founders of chapter Kyle and Steve are on a mission to make highly specialized education accessible and affordable to everyone in the world. So I really believed in what they're trying to do. So I joined their platform and I teach the discipline of investing on the chapter platform. It's a three uh, chapter series. Wait, what's what's so far, the website? Give me the website. It's uh, called getchapter.app, getchapter.app slash Gotham. So get chapter, I never heard of this, get chapter. Get chapter dot app slash Gotham. Okay, so so this, okay, so I'm looking here. So get chapter is, it says the easiest way to learn from top experts. So is there a Mm -hmm. course for this or not? There is a four-week course. Yeah, I teach two separate four-week courses, and the third course will be released in March 2022. And it costs money for this? Yes, it's $40 for four weeks. Okay. The idea behind chapter is to offer highly specialized education, which is 99% cheaper than other premium online courses. The idea is to make learning very accessible and affordable in a cohort format. So just like a college seminar, you'll be learning each course with a group of like-minded peers in an accelerated learning program format over a period of four weeks. The idea is to, the idea behind chapter is to bring you the greatest and best content on any subject available on the internet by subject matter experts. So I've got two chapters right now. And basically what I've done is I've curated the best and greatest content available on the internet in the form of podcasts, YouTube videos, white papers, newsletters, memos, reports, and I've simply compiled them and curated them into a into a learning format for four weeks. And I also share my personal insights and uh, learnings from each of those pieces of content. And the cohort members can also directly ask me questions in the member forum or if they, if they have any questions. So it's more of a social learning experience. And the idea is to make learning fun and accessible and affordable. Nice. And, and um, I never heard of uh, this. It's, it's a pretty big platform. It's it's taking off pretty well. A lot of people with big following on Twitter are joining the platform now. Because I'm looking here is they have what, six? They have six people so far on here, including you. No, they have already 20 people. I think they're highlighting only six on their website right now. Oh, so. But uh, yeah. Oh, oh, so here, for example, I I see, I see. Yeah, you were on the top. I gotcha. So, uh, okay. So, uh, got it. So how to publish your first novel for 40 bucks. I could learn from uh, uh, Dolly Adler how to do that. Okay. 
Understanding the Supreme Court, Neil Cattell, got it. Okay, and what makes this site unique is that it's only $40, and how many hours of its four sessions? So it's basically the entire course is spread over four weeks, and you get three to four hours of content delivered to your email inbox every week. And once you're through with that content, you can ask me questions on any query which you may, which you may have. Nice. So it doesn't take much time for you. It's, it's uh, kind of set up, you know, you do it once and you keep going. Yes. So I think you know, here I would like to add something, Charles, that in today's digital world, how do you succeed in a big way? You want to leverage the power of the internet to reach a global mass audience at scale. And how do you do that? You build something great once and then you earn forever. That is the mantra for success in today's world. You build something great once offer the consumer more than hundred times the value of the price that they're paying. And then you basically earn great amount of goodwill, credibility, good reputation, and then you earn forever out of that for the rest of your life. But you have to play the win-win game. You don't want to just extract a lot of consumer surplus upfront. You want to leave lots of consumer surplus on the table. You want to provide tremendous amount of value by, by creating and providing something great once. And it has to be very scalable. Now, even though the ticket price is very, very low, which is $40, but because the internet allows you to reach a global mass audience at scale, you can make up uh, the low ticket price through higher volume. So it's okay. Right. Everyone wins, right? Well, the incremental cost to expand this is virtually nothing, right? Right. That's it, you basically so. have built the course once and then you just earn forever. Right. All right. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Ghanem, this is great. The name of the book, folks, is The Joys of Compounding, The Passionate Pursuit of Lifelong Learning. It's a 300, wow, it's a lot of pages. I didn't know it was that much. 300, or close to 400 page book with a whole bunch of footnotes and everything. Very easy, you can read it in chunks, you can read it one chapter at a time, you can read it one section at a time, but I guarantee you, because uh, I'm a fan before I even met Gautam, I, I said this did me such a great service because and I didn't have to fly from Mumbai to Salt Lake City to tell you this, it, it compiled all the information, all the stuff that I like to look at in one place. So uh, really did a great job on that, got him. And look, it got you on the show. There you go, there's compounding. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And uh, checkout time is usually when at your hotel? Always checkout time, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock? Checkout time was uh, noon, and the check-in time was 3 p.m. Check-in time, so people came like, you know, a little early. Did you let them go in? Did you let them check in or not? If they came like 2.30, did you let them come? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Subject to availability, of course. That's why, yeah. that's why you're employee of the month. Most people say, no, nope, sorry, you wait, and I have to stand there with my luggage. But it's so great. You see, I just, I just know that if you keep playing the long-term game, to keep trying to help other people, just as long as you're directionally correct in life, time and compounding will take care of the rest. Just try to be directionally Consistent, yeah, well, directionally well, you're, accurate. You're an example. You started off and, and it just, everything keeps falling into place, but it's really not falling into place. You set it in motion when you left, when you left India and you took a minimum wage job. I, pers I pursued my dream then. I'm still pursuing my dream. So I'm extremely passionate about the Indian stock market and the power of Indian equities. I believe the next few decades belong to India because today India is at a position where China was 20 years ago. And India is on the cusp of great economic growth, powered by the reforms of the Indian government. Earlier this year, uh, I set up an investment firm in India titled Stella Wealth Partners. And we got the license from the stock market regulator to start operating our business there. 
So recently I launched my stock market advisory business in India and just a few weeks ago on 6th December 2021 and it has got a great response from people and as an extension of my belief and conviction in India I am now about to bring the India opportunity to investors in America I'll be setting up an India fund right. to probably get operational in the next 6 months it will be modeled after the original buffett partnership zero management fee and over the last 10 to 12 months i have simply been working in the background on how to make this fund most client friendly how to have the entire structure as client centric as possible because i have learned the power of playing the long term game what i have understood is if you even if you are you know live, uh, are not getting a lot of recognition over the first 10 years once you have an audit audited 10 year track record of very good returns then that is when the big money will start coming in so very very few people are willing to play the long term game everyone is just trying to get get as many assets under management in a few years as possible and then retire but i think very differently i like to take the long term view of whatever i do because the long term game is the best game charles i hear you i'm a long term investor so you you're preaching to the choir here got him so great So Ganem, thank you so much uh for coming on the show. I really enjoyed your book. I highly recommend it, folks. Uh it's on you can get it on um Amazon. I I think I saw it for like $10 or something on uh is that right on on Kindle? Um I believe it's $12, I think $12 to $13. $12. Yeah. So is it Yeah, you know, it's just amazing, right? You take someone's lifetime full of work and you can buy it for $12. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> is that something? True. Yeah, $12.63 on sale today. In fact, that's great. Uh yeah. The you that's it. 12,000 the book is what? 20 bucks. So for $20 you get a whole bunch of wisdom here that took you years years to um to really uh accumulate and put in a coherent order. So uh great value for money, folks. <laughs> that's it. Got to wish you the best of luck. Thanks for being on the show and I hope uh maybe we could have you on a little, you know, a year or so from now when you're managing whatever you want to be managing i don't want to say billions because you're not going to be happy with that you want to make that over time but if it does come quicker you're not going to be upset are you i just want to deliver the best long term returns with the lowest amount of risk and help build generational wealth for my partners Beautiful. because the power of comp- i know in the long term the power of compounding is so so powerful if i simply focus on endurance and longevity everyone will do very very right. well it's it's a marathon not a sprint got him thanks so yes. much for being on the show greatly appreciate it thank you charles this was a pleasure thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the charles mizrahi show if you're a new listener welcome if you've been listening for a while we're glad to have you back either way we'd love to know what you think of the show please leave a review if you listen on apple podcast reviews make it easier for others to find the show you can also see the video of the interview on the charles mizrahi show channel on youtube